Hello, Duck fans! Welcome to a Friday edition of the show. Yes, it's Friday and the weekend is here. Of course, uh, I wouldn't know what day it is if I didn't have to research it and put it in the beginning of the show. I do want to start out by thanking the frontline workers out there. Yes, those of you who are keeping the economy running, uh, keeping your grocery shelves stocked and manning those counters so that we can keep eating and things can keep chugging along as best as possible. I also want to thank the healthcare workers out there working in the hospitals, keeping people alive, safe, healthy, doing the best they can. I appreciate you. And I also appreciate you listeners tuning in every day, listening to uh, to what we have to say about Oregon Ducks football and basketball and the sports world at large. Appreciate you as well. Today we have uh, more position groups with special guest James Voss. We're talking about the running backs. You know, we did the quarterbacks yesterday. And then on Monday, we have McCormick Mondays, where we're going to be discussing the 2020 football schedule. Very exciting stuff. Going to be going into some detail about that. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be wrapping up the UDFAs and the NFL draft with our national show guests. We got, you know, L.A. Chargers and Justin Herbert and Minnesota Vikings and Troy Dye and Brady Aiello, for example. So there's going to be some really good stuff we got going on, so tune in next week. And for now, I just want to go down here and flip the switch. You have too much to give to stay silent. That's what he said. That's what he believed. That's what he lived. The American in front. Almost a cult of the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Now wait a minute. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome to Locked On Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. I'm Jordan Long, your host. You can always find me on Twitter at the Dustoff Guy, and check out the show on Twitter at Locked On Ducks. And we always do appreciate uh, comments, questions, concerns, etc. Using the hashtags AskLodPod, we'll try to get to a mailbag segment where I can address those. There's also a Facebook page, Locked On Ducks. Go ahead and look for that if Twitter's not your thing. And do take a second to click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave five out of five stars review. It's a great way to support the show. And uh, I just want to get right onto the talk here. So on to the action. I'm joined by James Voss again today. Fair warning, we talked about it yesterday. This is our good old Thursday and Friday segment. You can find James on Twitter at Who's the Voss. He's a Ducks fanatic sports writer, contributor to Hudson Zoo and Blazers Edge. And we've been talking about uh, position groups. And yesterday we talked about the quarterbacks. Today we're going to be talking about the running backs. Make sure you take a second to go and check out his writing. Now, not right now. We're obviously in the middle of a show. But as soon as you're done listening to this, head over to jamesvoss.net if you haven't already and read up on his coverage of the position groups as well as some other great content. Uh, welcome to the show again, James. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Glad to be back on, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It's uh, uh, good times that we're able to have amidst uh, amidst some of the craziness that's going on out there. I just want to get right to it. Uh, there's there, there's a very interesting running backs group, and we're going to talk about some trends later. But let's just kick it off with C.J. Verdell, uh, a junior. A lot of juniors and freshmen in this, and we'll get into that towards the end. But C.J. Verdell, 5'9", 205 pounds. He's a three-star composite as per 24-7 sports. Actually had 
offers from Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, uh, Wisconsin, Cal, Colorado, uh, Oregon State. And he enrolled in uh, July of 2017 and redshirted that first year. And then in 2018, played in all 13 games, starting in five of them. And that year, he was the only Power 5 player with 1,000 yards rushing and 300 yards receiving. And then last season, uh, he was the Pac-12 championship game MVP, the fifth player in Oregon history to rush for 1,000 or more yards in back-to-back season, ranked fourth among returning players in the FBS in rushing yards, when that's 2,238 career yards so far, over 27 games and 399 rushes, 18 touchdowns, averages 83 yards per game, which is pretty good. We're going to talk about how that might have been uh, affected uh, by his injuries in a second. Wrecked Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. And if you remember, Utah had the top-ranked rushing defense. He had 18 rushes for 208 yards and three touchdowns. Now, the, uh, the, the tail of the tape, he's so shifty quick and i love his athleticism he's and this is when he's healthy fast and open space great vision uh, slips between the tackles and really makes people miss now the season stats we're talking about are pretty amazing when you consider he didn't finish more than half of the conference games in 2019 and these leg and upper body issues kept coming up so when we talk about his average yards per game you have to remember that he had 370 plus yard games and 11 games under 100 yards Yeah, CJ is clearly running back one if he wasn't already at the beginning of last year because last year he came into a pretty crowded group as he is right now. You mentioned the juniors and the freshmen. Those feel like two very distinct groups within the depth chart. Um, And CJ clearly proved himself worthy of getting carries when he beat Washington on that wonderful little follow Penne and uh, Shane Lemieux into the end zone play Uh in overtime. Uh, And he's proved time and time again last year that he should be the one getting the ball. I was really impressed with how much bigger he got in between his um, freshman and sophomore seasons. He seemed to bulk up a lot, even though uh, he jumped down in jersey numbers from 34 to 7 made him look even bigger right. comparison to the single digit skill number but uh he oh time and time again he proved that uh he's very quick uh right off the especially the first move and he's even proved that he's been able to uh, bounce off of tacklers pretty pretty well and pretty oh, consistently he's slippery as heck. and it seemed like and, and that's something that maybe once he got bigger, people kind of doubted his breakaway speed. And even in moments at the beginning of last year, he got caught from behind in a couple of long runs. And then he proved in uh, uh, multiple games, Washington State and Utah, that he did have that breakaway speed. Especially he, he got better and better as the season progressed with that breakaway speed. And I think that's very like telling of his work ethic, especially knowing he was banged up consistently on and off throughout the year. And definitely, to your point, he's disappeared in games before and sort of had to leave the the Cyrus and the Travis to step in for him. I think if he can get another year, especially when he's got it's consistent talk about possible leaving early for the NFL after mm-hmm. this season, depending on how well the, the year goes, he has this whole off season to be left to his own uh, training devices in terms of thinking about, all right, step ahead. I'm going to be thinking about working out in the combine and the NFL, the NFL mm-hmm. might be calling me. So 
I think the idea that his conditioning is going to step up once again, he'll find that perfect balance between the bulk he added on last year and the speed and the kind of conditioning and overall just fitness that he'll be able to bring into the NFL once that will call his name. You know, we've been talking about those those injury issues, and I sure hope they don't come back uh, to haunt him in this coming season. But if they do, the next guy I want to talk about really has stepped up and shown that he could be uh, number one as well. Just uh, and of course, I'm talking about Travis Dye, uh, another junior, five foot ten, two hundred pounds. You know, he was 170 pounds coming out of high school. We talked about bulking up, and that's that's pretty impressive here. But uh, uh, Norco High School down in California, another three star composite, 24 seven sports recruit. Uh, he, his big brother's Troy Dye. I don't know if that goes without saying, but uh, that certainly has to do with the fact that he was uh, only uh, courted by and, and chose to go to Oregon. And in 2018, as a sophomore, had 140 carries for 739 yards and four touchdowns while getting 12 receptions for almost 70 yards and another touchdown. And then last season, 106 rushes for over 650 yards, no touchdowns, but another six, 16 receptions for 160 yards and a touchdown. He also uh, has some kick return stats to speak of, 15 returns for 305 yards. And what I really like about Travis Dye is his breakaway speed and very powerful for his size. His jump cuts and spin moves, I mean, he's just, he's like, he's got a Swiss army knife of options to choose from when it comes to techniques for uh, overwhelming guys trying to tackle him. So it sounds like he's going to be competing with C.J. Verdell for, for time and for snaps. I mean, they do have a pretty similar work profile. And, and I want to hear your answer to that question. But first, I got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and we're talking running backs position group, and I'm here with James Voss. Now, James, Travis Dye has a very similar work profile to C.J. Verdell, and he's, I mean, we're talking about competing with him for time and for snaps this coming season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely, and I think especially coming in, both as freshmen and C.J. and Travis were seen as the one and one A their freshman year and you see that in the productivity numbers that Travis showed similar to CJ's their freshman year and you see the touchdowns especially rushing touchdowns drop off last year I think that's not to Travis's detriment that's kind of to CJ Verdell's emergence as the number one back and Cyrus's uh, emergence as the co-backup alongside Travis Travis is a total team player you see it in his last name you see it in the way that he plays mm-hmm. He's going to find his role within this running group and wherever on the offense he's going to be put. You mentioned his ability as a pass catcher and his ability as a blocker improved last year. And I think he can get even better, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in pass protection for Tyler Shuck and company. And I think he just shoots out of a cannon when he gets the ball, whether (laughs) it's whether it's on a handoff or in the backfield uh, in like a wheel route. And it's and it's really beautiful to watch. And I think he's becoming more and more disciplined in his downfield running. You mentioned that he's got the jukes and he's got the spins. Maybe sometimes he dances around just a little bit too much. But <laughs> right. he's but he's, he's he's got that ability. He, he's got the compass in his brain that knows where the end zone is. And he kind of just puts his head down, leans into it, and can really move. He's he's one of the fastest guys among these running backs. And, and I'm excited to see where he falls into the group. I really hope he gets a chance to 
put his skills on display. And given the the layout of this running backs group, it's going to be interesting how it unfolds. And I'm sure, and, and we can get into the details on this at the towards the end of the show. But I'm sure, given the the truncated off season, they're going to be depending on guys like Die and Verdell to you know the veterans to be able to take the field. Uh, speaking of veterans, another junior, Cyrus Habibi Likio, uh, six foot one, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Now his father left Iran during the Islamic Revolution in '79, where uh, his dad was a, a military surgeon, and he he fled the U.S. with his family, and they grew up in some of the most abject poverty. I mean, food insecurity is a huge issue. So Cyrus is this amazing uh, backstory. I love it. I went to St. Francis High School down in Palo Alto. He was a three-star composite recruit, actually had offers from BYU, Utah, USC, Boise State, Cal. He actually committed to Washington State, but ended up decommitting and enrolling at Oregon in 2017, and uh, much for the betterment of Oregon, I, I have to say. In 2018, as a redshirt freshman, he had six rushing touchdowns in his first five games, just 18 carries, 36 yards, all red zone, all short yarded stuff, and then... Last season as a sophomore, he led the team with 10 rushing touchdowns, uh, 85 rushes for 337 uh, yards. He played in all 13 games, got 20 first downs. Now, this guy's a bruiser, right? A goal line back. And what I find interesting, and I definitely want to get your opinion on this, but he plans to to change the narrative surrounding him, single down back as as a goal line back, and transition to be an all-purpose back. He thinks he has the tools and the talent to make that happen. And in fact, he said, when he thinks about his dad's story, coming to the United States and uh, rewriting his narrative, that's what he says is his motivation for becoming an all-purpose running back. Do you think he can continue as a one-down runner or become that all-purpose back? Yeah, Cyrus is a really interesting story, just in terms of what sometimes you see in, in some quirky and interesting backup running backs that you see a lot of in the early part of each different season. And during uh, his freshman year, he was a touchdown vulture, total vulture in that short (laughs) down bruising, bruising uh, one down running back situation. And just like you say, uh, last year, he, he stepped out of maybe just this interesting, oh, that guy backup running back role Mm -hmm. and into someone who when cj verdell went down he stepped up in the washington game immensely and 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 in so many other moments in between and i think him and travis both could start for any other pac-12 team uh i i think at running back and i think maybe maybe say for washington state or maybe even oregon state who both have strong running backs but i think they would be right there too and and cyrus has jumped up from uh, maybe obscurity, one down back, one one dimensional into I think a multi-dimensional player, and it'll be interesting to see how much faster he gets over this off season and where he can be that co-backup role with Travis as well. I think mm-hmm. they really are like 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 both the backup. It's an incredibly powerful stable. I'm really excited about what Mario Cristobal and now Joe Moorhead are going to be doing with the run game. I mean, they're already improving on on such a strong offense to be able to to take these all these guys to the next level and uh you know i want to take a quick break before we do though i just want to say darian felix we're not going to get into him as you know he transferred to south florida uh probably saw and and for those of you who have had a chance to enjoy james's blog uh i'm not going to spoil it go ahead and he's got some uh good explanations 
good talk about Darian Felix uh, and his transfer to South Florida. So go and check that out. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about a bunch of freshmen and a junior who's only played for one year. So uh, this is Locked on Ducks, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and I'm here with James Voss, and we are talking the running back position group for our own Oregon Ducks football team, uh, the 2020 roster. And we've covered what's pre- presumed to be, you know, those three starters, that stable of uh, C.J. Verdell, Travis Dye, and and Cyrus Habibi Likio. And I want to get into this group of freshmen and what, what it's going to mean for the team should any of these juniors go early next year or, you know, is this, is this a plan for continuity? So let's start with Sean dollars and and that's Sean, great football name dollars standing at five foot, 10, 190 pounds. Uh, the other Mater Dei high school. Now this is something I find really interesting. And I think this is going to be what we talk about when it comes to Sean, uh, spoiler alert, but he said he chose Oregon because, and this is uh, this is a quote I read. He, he gave uh, coach Coach Mastro had a plan for him to get him going his freshman year, and that the running back situation is iffy in terms of depth. You know, if only he could look into a crystal ball. But uh, he was the high. He is actually the highest rated running back prospect to come to Oregon, but only played him four games last season. Had seven rushes for 81 yards. And is a clearly talented, very skilled, multi-purpose back. He can catch out of the backfield. He can carry the entire load when needed. He does lack some explosiveness, but as a as a freshman, of course, and as talented as he is, that can be trained up, and he can definitely improve on that. But his solid work ethic and that that tenacity, that workhorse uh, uh, hunger, are you know serve him well as someone who could potentially take over a starting role. Now, hinting at at your blog here, I got to ask you a question. If he doesn't get the reps, might we lose him to the transfer portal? I think that's certainly something that people should prepare themselves for that as a reality. I think Sean Dollar is coming out of such a football machine in modern day, and everyone rightfully sees him as the next great Oregon back, that he could very much be in that conversation of, of the greats if he was given his opportunities. And if something were to happen where a bunch of guys, uh, Travis and Cyrus and maybe even CJ end up coming back next year, especially if that's the case, I think Sean Dollars would look at his situation and say, I could be getting first team reps somewhere else. And I wouldn't blame him at all, just like we talked about Kale Millen yesterday. I think obviously it would be disappointing if we weren't able to find a spot for him, it's interesting you, you say that he, he said that Mastro said that it, the situation was iffy and that he had a plan. And I know that he had moments last year, especially early, but they preserved that, that red shirt uh, for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was right. I'm interested to know if, if he sees himself as busting the whole thing open and, and becoming a first or second string back for Oregon, if he sees that for himself, then I'll, I'll enjoy seeing that work come out. He'll come out of nowhere like Michael James did. Uh, or if we, for some reason, see an unfortunate injury at the top, uh, he'll find that space for him to jump in there. He's an all-state, all-country recruit, mm-hmm. uh, and I would not blame him if he saw a situation where uh, he'd want to go somewhere else. 
and uh, that would be interesting. But we've seen that before with Lake Seastrunk and Thomas Tyner and uh, uh, Kenyon Barner even found mm-hmm. he, he didn't transfer, but he was right behind uh, little Michael James, and uh, right. it, it kind of uh, muddied up how great he could have probably been if he was given first string reps early on in his career. And 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 I think it's just the the way that especially college football is now. And I think it's it's rightfully his option, of course. And I would love to, however, see him find a way to break out on the scene, whether that's keeping him consistent and he sticks with Oregon and finds himself at the top of the, the depth chart next year. I couldn't agree more. And I, I have to distract from this for a moment by talking about NFL prospects and say that really it's it comes down to a question of, and of course I'm not him or, or the people he's talking to or his agent, but it seems to come down to a question of, do you want to sit here and not have as many reps, but also be a standout player in your junior and senior years and perhaps have less tread on the tire? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm thinking of? Someone like mm-hmm. Miles Sanders coming up behind Saquon Barkley, who is an exceptionally talented running back and could have gone somewhere else and put in four years of, of hard work and only had one or two productive years in the NFL or you know, sit behind Saquon Barkley, get drafted by the Eagles. He doesn't have the kind of wear and tear that these four-year every-down backs coming out of college can have that mm-hmm. really can jeopardize your career. So that's a really interesting question. Do I want to get that top, you know, top 10 draft pick money or, or first round draft pick money? Or do I want to fall a little bit, but have plenty of uh, tread left on the tires to be able to perform in the NFL? So this is going to be an interesting question. I wonder if that's going through his mind and something to watch going forward. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Again, uh, the, here's the theme. Redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman. Next up, Javon Wilson, 6'2", 220. Is a, is a big running back from Valencia High School. Another three-star composite. He was recruited by Washington, Nebraska, Utah, Cal, OSU. Uh, he enrolled in the U of O in 2019. ESPN had him as the number 30, uh, the 34-best running back in the nation, and 24-7 Sports had him as the 21st-best athlete in the nation. So exceptionally talented. Uh, again, a really big guy. I want you to go ahead and talk to us a little bit. Tell me a little bit about what he can do for the Ducks, You know, because obviously he's, he, uh, barring significant injuries, he's not going to be able to, to do a whole lot. Obviously, we got a crowded group in front of him. We talked about how those those three juniors at the top and the three freshmen, they're kind of in their, both in their own generation. Uh, the, the three redshirt freshmen are kind of all kind of clumped together. And it'll be interesting to see how the chips fall, especially with that younger group. And Javon Wilson is maybe like we talked about Cyrus's freshman year where he sort of had those early season vulture moments. Maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of what we see uh, for Javon early on. Uh, and, and he'll have those first couple games against like Hawaii and, and uh, North Dakota State where in the second half we're in a short yard situation. We're saving everybody else, especially in that North Dakota State game, saving mm-hmm. everybody else for Ohio State. We'll see Wilson uh, uh, vulture a touchdown or two. That could be pretty cool just to gain some confidence. But he's huge. Uh, he's the biggest back <laughs> in the roster. Clearly haven't seen like what his speed's at like right now, right. Uh, especially missing spring. But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if at least in this year when he gets more playing time than last year, 
uh, early on in the season. We see him in those short yard situations. And then I'm sure he can grow out of that just the same way that Cyrus did. Absolutely. Super excited to watch these guys grow. And I have full faith and confidence in, in Mario Cristobal and the rest of the coaching staffing in finding these guys uh, a path forward that's that's beneficial to them and ultimately very beneficial to Oregon. It's kind of this misleading narrative about Oregon and its passing game and the high-speed offense, but they have had some extremely talented running backs over the years. It's almost mm-hmm. like every you pick a year and you can name their their number one running back, and that guy had spent time in the NFL. Um, I want to talk about Cross Patton. Another, it seems like Oregon also has a monopoly on great football names. Um, now he's listed as 5'6", but I'm going with 24-7 sports, has him listed at 5'7". At a Perfect. charitable five seven, so I'm going with that. And uh, 175 pounds, and uh, I went to the Woodward Academy down in Georgia. He's uh, there. He played in 33 games and had 160 carries for 747 yards, nine touchdowns. And he also had 25 receptions for 230 yards and a touchdown. So we have uh, kind of a, a multifaceted, multi-ability here. Um, he is small, so he didn't get a lot of offers. I think that's due to his size. Uh, the only real significant school to, to throw a, an offer at him was OSU other than Oregon, and he enrolled here in 2019. What do you, what do you see going forward for uh, uh, Mighty Mouse Cross Patton? Yeah, Cross Patton might be one of the biggest mysteries on this roster. His size notwithstanding compared to his kind of brother in class in Javon Wilson, I'm sure those two standing next to each other are uh, quite the odd couple. But he also happens to be outcast uh, big boy's son, uh, uh, Cross Patton Mm. does. And uh, he's a preferred walk-on at Oregon. So, uh, of course, like he's in this crowded depth chart, but I'm, I'm not entirely worried about him looking in the, into the transfer portal if he's not quite getting right. significant reps. I, I, I'm interested to see if he if he stays at running back, if uh, maybe he becomes a little like slot receiver-y. I'm interested to see what like the practice squad does with him in figuring out uh, who he can imitate uh, for in terms of game plan and, and where else he might fall within the offense. Because I know that Oregon is known for having like hybridized smaller running back right. slot receiver that that kind of opportunity and and with cross patent size of course we've had shorter running backs succeed lamichael james being that guy but mm-hmm. it, it it would just be interesting to see if he stays at a true running back position or if he kind of kind of becomes a little bit of a hybrid once he steps into uh junior senior season probably closer to when we see more of him yeah if he wants to stay a running back he's going to have to uh, bulk up, but uh, next up, Trey Benson, six foot, two ten, uh, went to St. Joe's down in Mississippi. Uh, number two running, uh, number twenty one running back in the nation per twenty four seven Sports, and in two years in high school, had two hundred sixty carries for three thousand six hundred sixteen yards and forty eight touchdowns. That is a prolific high school running back. He's mm-hmm. owning it down there at St. Joseph. Uh, he did have offers from. Uh, Washington State, Vanderbilt, Purdue, Penn State, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Mississippi State, Florida State, ASU, and he signed with Oregon in December. So this is the kind of guy that they seem to want to cultivate to, you know, come up uh, in two, two to two years and really maybe take over that role if if he can show in on the practice squad and whatnot what the kind of production he had in high school. 
Yeah, absolutely. And this came in, it, it his official enrollment happened like two weeks ago where mm-hmm. he announced he was finally in. He was That's kind right. Of, that, that was that story about, and I want to follow up on this in another show, but I think Oregon's trying to pull for um, in-person classes in the fall. And this was like the first test of how someone enrolling for online classes is going to affect or be affected by the COVID-19 and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was it was just interesting to uh, actually kind of lock him in. He was in a weird limbo because of like whether or not he was going to early enroll and then all this happened. So making like his official announcement that Benson, he's locked in, he's, he's coming to Oregon. That's huge. That was just a huge sort of like affirmation of his existence on this roster and I think you're totally right we talk about those those two groups still the juniors and the redshirt freshmen he kind of because he's going to come in as a true freshman I I think of him as a a league of his own and maybe even uh, surpassing some of these redshirt freshmen that are in front of him if he Mm. gets that opportunity Mm -hmm. and uh, clearly like prolific one thing I, I'm really noticing, I, I didn't even know his whole list of offers. To get an offer from Vanderbilt and from Notre Dame, Notre Dame, who historically like makes it an excuse for themselves in recruiting because of their <laughs> academic standards, right. like that that is a huge like benchmark for uh, his academic commitment and uh, the kind of uh, person he is. And and I think that's that's re- really like reassuring and interesting to know that uh, we've got a guy who's not only prolific on the field but as well off the field in the classroom and that's something that especially when you're early enrolling and trying to navigate all this tricky online classes that I'm sure he'll have to deal with during the summer especially because summer classes are kind of a uh, talk not talked about enough aspect of Oregon football especially athletes are taking classes throughout the summer so many of these uh, guys aren't rolling in June and July yeah and, and and it's it's going to be even trickier with all the the online situation and the COVID of it all. But it it's it's really reassuring and interesting to know that we have such a Swiss Army knife of a human being in Trey Benson. Yeah, um, we got a uh, we're getting close to wanting to wrap it up. So I want to talk about the last guy on my list and then uh, ask you a question uh, straight off your blog. I want to talk about KJ Madwike and Keith. I know you're out there listening. You just hashtags ask Lodpod. let me know if i got it right mad I, I know you're into this so help me out keith if i if i got that wrong so 510 213 golden valley high school red shirt in in 2018 220 carries for 1412 yards and 13 tds in one year in high school so he's coming in as a junior in college after like his his career is kind of a mystery to me and i mean what do you think of kj Right. I, I admittedly also don't know a ton about him. I did a little bit of digging into his major. He's a visual arts major and an upperclassman, uh, which I know that the visual arts program at the U of O is pretty competitive to get into. It takes a lot of commitment and, and time in the classroom in order to set yourself apart from people that are also applying for it. So he's clearly like he's been working, grinding on that. I wouldn't blame him if he's he's coming in now as a junior and and finding that he's he's finding a good spot within that major and mm-hmm. and I think I think it's just he, he'll be another one of those workhorses on the practice field and the practice squad that really helps the whole team game and and, and clearly uh, like I, I I would not be surprised if he got a if he got a significant amount of time maybe in in that Hawaii game near the end near the end and and seeing what he can do with it 
Absolutely. You know, I got uh, one question before uh, for you before we go, but I do have to tell the listeners uh, right now, if you haven't read James's blog on the running backs position, you need to shut the show off, go read it. And then I give you permission to come back and pick up the conversation because we're I want to ask you about Noah Sewell being a linebacker running back crossover. Absolutely. And, and, and I think it's an interesting take. Don't get me wrong. It gets me excited to no end to think about a guy who isn't a running back getting the ball in a running back situation. I totally get the charm with William, the refrigerator Perry. I, I totally get right. the, the charm with how we threw the ball to no Sewell, or to Penny Sewell uh, in one moment last year, or when Brady Aiello goes out and catches yes. a touchdown with a Jersey with a tight end Jersey on. Like I totally get that. And I agree that that's exciting to think about and talk about. I don't want to be the guy that reigns on the parade. Noah Sewell, obviously he was a running back in high school as well an insanely accomplished running back in high school. He's a bruiser, giant guy. But the idea that whenever we're in a goal line situation, we're just going to bring in Noah and he's going to pound it in. And, and that's going to be like the, the, the Taysom Hill like quirk on this Oregon offense, I think is just really out there uh, in terms of, especially what we know, already know about Mario Cristobal. You said it, you said it well, he's not known for doing the quirky cutesy, uh, different creative thing, and that's okay. That's not Mario Cristobal football, and we're winning by playing Mario Cristobal football. So who am I to, to say that we need to do something, uh, something Chip Kelly interesting? Right. It's just, it's just uh, a, a little far out there. And knowing already the stable of running backs that we have at our disposal. <laughs> Why Cyrus would you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cyrus, he he's proven he can be a vulture. He'll put it in from anywhere within the red zone. Uh, CJ Verdell has proven in the biggest moments in his career, even as a freshman, he can put it in in the goal line situations, in must score situations. RIP Washington. And and it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's it's too much I think to ask for putting your star running star linebacker, soon to be star linebacker in a position where he'll get injured while playing anything but linebacker. He's going to be there. He's going to be right behind Kayvon and right next to Keith Brown and and right in front of this incredible secondary. Don't even get me started about the secondary. But he's he's going to be in his role, and I think that's exactly where he should be. And we got plenty of guys that Mario Cristobal loves to hand the ball off to. Speaking of that secondary, we'll be addressing that 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 group at some point. So remember to tune in on Thursdays and Fridays, James. I'm going to uh, close this out here. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening to Locked on Ducks, your daily source of info updates and analysis on your Oregon Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host. We're joined by James Voss. Remember to check him out on Twitter at Who's the Voss. And check out jamesvoss.net to get caught up on uh, his coverage of the position groups before next Thursday and Friday when we're going to talk about the tight ends and the wide receivers groups. And also, I want to hear your feedback. You know, we talked about some controversial stuff, some interesting stuff, and some fun stuff today. So go ahead and hit us up on Twitter using the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. Send in your questions. We read them on the air. I'm going to try to get a mailbag segment. But if you want to get in on this tight ends conversation or the wide receivers conversation, send it in now, and we'll be prepared. We'll go ahead and talk about that next Thursday and Friday. We will be having uh, a McCormick Mondays where we're going to talk about the uh, 2020 football schedule 
and just lots of good stuff next week, Tuesdays, and probably Wednesday we're going to be still doing the UDFAs and the draftees. I've had a chance to uh, talk to Locked On Chargers. I've had a chance uh, this afternoon I'm going to be talking to the host of Locked On Vikings about Troy Dye and Brady Aiello. So that's going to be Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, if uh, Twitter's not your thing, go ahead and uh, check out the Facebook page, Locked On Ducks. Don't forget to click subscribe or follow. Click in that subscribe button. Man, that subscribe button would smash. I've seen it. Smash it. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave five out of five stars review. Great way to support the show. But for now, stay safe, stay healthy, and remember to try to have fun out there, okay? Love you all. Have a great day, and go Ducks! (laughs) 